Ever have a conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast was born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman-Collins, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We're excited to have you joining us for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends Podcast. Dee, how are you today? I'm doing great, Sherry. How are you? I'm good. Enjoying the sunshine, loving the summer weather. It's gorgeous oh. outside. Oh, my God. <laughs> I always say that, you know, I, I was like, I'm born in Georgia. I was raised in Georgia. I'm a Georgia girl. I love the hot weather. And, you know, I some people hate the hot weather. Like, do you like the hot weather? I don't. I'm I'm a winter. You're a winter. Like, I love cold weather. You do? I oh do. my gosh, I hate cold weather. I I should <laughs> I should have been born like south of the equator, like or or like right around the equator, like where it just stays hot all the time. I mean, I enjoy hot weather as long as there's <laughs> air conditioning. Oh yeah, well, so. there's, there's that. I mean, I need like air conditioning on the regular, and I have a pool, so which makes the hot weather totally tolerable. But I also love to be barefooted. Like to me, being barefooted is my you can natural be barefoot state. In the winter? What? No, my feet get cold. I will wear sandals in the winter. Oh, it's so. crazy. <laughs> Are you hot natured? I am. Okay. I am. Like the air conditioning in my home is pretty low. My uh-huh. family comes over and I have blankets everywhere uh-huh. and they grab blankets. So we're sitting around like having dinner and my sister especially is wrapped up in a blanket. Uh-huh. That's me. That's me. <laughs> so at the end of the day, like, okay, so yesterday I took my son to the zoo here in Atlanta. We've got an amazing zoo and it was such a great day, but it was the hottest day of the year so far. It was like over 90 degrees and we were out in the heat. Yeah, I thought I saw oh, like 95 it was so yesterday. Hot. Yeah, it was so hot. But at the end of the day, you know, I had been hot all day long. I came home, took a shower afterwards. We had a great afternoon. We even had dinner outside, even though it was hot yesterday. But then in the evening, like I was all wrapped up in a blanket in the house. (laughs) (laughs) I love the hot weather. So I'm so happy that it's summer. And um, if you're listening to this and it's not summer, here's a reminder. It's going to be summer again. (laughs) It will. The cold weather will go away. So this is like a reminder to myself that the, the cold weather doesn't last forever. Well, I'm so glad that um, all of you have tuned in today because we are going to be talking about such a great subject and something that I really feel like gets very little attention in the media, you know, even as somebody who works in um, health and wellness related uh, field, I feel like stroke and stroke prevention don't get nearly enough attention. But the reality is that stroke is the leading cause of serious long-term disability in the U.S. I mean, that's a big That's a big number, a big statistic to think about the fact that most people who've got serious or long-term disability in the U.S. have it as a result of a stroke. And each year, almost 800,000 people suffer a stroke. So about 600,000 of these are a first attack. 185,000 are recurrent attacks. So this is important to remember that stroke can affect people once and it can affect them more than once. And even though nearly three quarters of all strokes occur in people who are over the age of 65, so we associate, I think, strokes with older people, a quarter of them can happen in people who are under 65. Which is amazing to me. It wasn't something that I thought happened to people my age. Right. You know, my grandfather died from um, Mm -hmm. his third stroke, I believe. And, you know, he was 80. He was in his 80s. And so I was like, oh, strokes are things that happen to, you know, people that are grandpa's age. Right. And to hear that 25% happen to 
younger people. Yeah. It's scary, actually. Yeah, and I have actually seen it happen in my life and to people who are near me, you know, to, to people that I love, you know, who are well under, you know, one was under 60, one was under 50. So I think, you know, now me, you know, getting well into my 40s, <laughs> Solidly as we like to say around here, you know, I'm thinking about these things, you know, and, and the reality is it's not just you know, people in their 40s, it's even people younger. And, and and I think most of the time when a stroke happens, it's unexpected. It's not something people planned for. Sometimes we know that there are risk factors and sometimes we don't. So I think um, I'm really excited about the show because I hope that it can serve as sort of a wake-up call to people or just to raise awareness to think about this subject a little bit more, to be aware of it so that we can do what we can to prevent, but also we can recognize it if it happens around us and and also just um, know more about this really important health issue that can affect even young people. So our guest today is Leslie Baradell. Leslie is a fellow registered dietitian in the Atlanta area and has a business called My Menu Pal with our other girlfriend and fellow dietitian Ann Dunaway Tay. And you guys might remember that Ann was on our meal planning show way back in episode four and it was great, right? <laughs> way Dee? back. I know, right? So then we're like, Way, we're way beyond that fourth show. <laughs> we're well into our, our podcast lifespan, whatever that is. <laughs> so in addition to being a registered dietitian and a small business owner, Leslie's married and has three kiddos, and um, she's also very active, and you wouldn't know it to look at her, but Leslie's also a stroke survivor, and I asked her to come talk to us about stroke prevention for a couple of reasons. One is because I'm so proud and amazed by her recovery, and I knew that it would inspire other people. The other is purely selfish, and like Dee, my grandparents both died from stroke, so I have a little bit of a selfish uh, motive in thinking, like, how can I learn more about this topic and, and protect myself, too? So without further ado, let's get into the show. We're going to be talking about why you should think about stroke prevention now. So Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here. I'm I think... excited to share my story. So, oh, and hopefully good. it will help somewhere, somebody along the way, some out there in yeah. the world, especially the young folks. Yeah, yes. I think that's really important. And, you know, I think as Dee mentioned, you know, most of us associate this with, a, with an mm -hmm. old people disease. Mm -hmm. Sorry for you old people who are listening. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be an old people, God willing. I want to be an old people. I want to live a long, long time. And I yeah. think this, you know, knowing more about this topic can maybe mm -hmm. help us get there, right? So you mentioned your story. So can you tell us a little bit about your story, your experience with stroke? Sure. Um, let's see, I can, uh, start with the morning of my stroke and kind of talk about what it was and how it felt. Um, I find that people are kind of interested in that because it's hard to understand if somebody's having a stroke, what they're feeling. Yeah. Um, so I had actually gone out the night before for a girl's night. All I had was one, one little drink. Not, it wasn't a big night. So <laughs> nothing to impact me. How and, big and, was that yeah. one? Just to... <laughs> big old glass, you know, like the 10 ounce or, you know. <laughs> so, um, I just woke up one morning and thankfully God was watching over me and I usually swim on Sunday mornings, but for some reason I came home the night before and I, I told my husband he could work out, which is not like me. I'm very selfish about my workouts. So I slept in. And, um, I, luckily I wasn't in the pool and I got up and I went over to the bathroom sink and I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, Hmm, I feel a little hazy. And then I tried to go brush my teeth and my left arm was very, very numb. Mm -hmm. And I had had numbness in my left arm before and in my right arm. 
so it wasn't like anything new. And I thought, oh, well, it's just really numb today. So I started to start moving my shoulder around and it's so numb that I have to lift my hand up onto the bathroom counter to just like rest it. It's like a dead arm. Like, so numb and weak? Numb, just as if it's like Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like your arm is not attached to your body at all. Like mm-hmm. it's just floating there in the air. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror thinking about this, but I'm like, eh, it'll go away. So I kind of try to start brushing my teeth and my dog starts barking. You're not freaking out. Not yet, because I'd had numbness in my arm before, and it had come back. So I was like, oh, this is fine. Not at that level. But I was like, yeah, I work out a lot. You know, maybe it's just like a really tight muscle. So then my dog starts. Yeah, totally denial. Yeah. And the denial keeps going, totally. (laughs) So then I move into mommy mode, because my dog starts barking, and I don't want him to wake up the children. And so I go, and my sometimes, um, you know, stroke affects people in different ways. For me, it didn't affect my legs at all, so I could walk normally. And so I went over, I let him out, and he went busting down the stairs to find my daughter and her girlfriend. So, of course, I'm still in mommy mode. I run down the stairs, and they're sleeping there, and one the little girl wakes up, and I go to talk. And I want to tell her to go back to sleep, and I can't talk. Wow. I'm completely coherent. I can think. I just cannot talk. And that was what scared me. Yeah. Then I knew something was wrong. I mean, I'm like, and I I can remember straining my face and trying to really struggle to get the words out, but it just, it just wasn't happening. It was so surreal. It was almost like I'd become mute immediately. Wow. Was it as if like, was your mouth moving and nothing could come out? Your mouth Yeah. Was it's like, like your mouth is moving. And I, nothing was coming out. It's like my my words couldn't. Yeah, it, it just. It wasn't even garbled. It was no sound. Or it was, was like no sound. Wow. You know, I was just. It was just so surreal. So then, of course, I'm still in mommy mode, but I know something's wrong. So I grab my dog, and he's kind of small, and so we have to go up the stairs. And this is the part that I wish I had on video because I think it'd be like kind of looking back. It might be kind of funny to watch myself doing this. <laughs> just to be honest. So. I have a strange sense of humor. I know. (laughs) I'm walking up the stairs, and as I'm walking up the stairs, I have to lean over. So my left arm, which I have no control over, is still, you know, obviously no control, is like banging up the stairs like a Halloween freak show. Wow. (laughs) Like boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, something's really wrong here. I want to laugh, but I'm also horrified. Yeah. I mean, it was really strange. It was so weird. So at that point, I know something's wrong. I walk into the kitchen and I collapse on the floor. My husband happens to walk into the kitchen at the same time from being out at the gym. And I just start bawling. But I can't talk. I can cry. I'm like wailing, you know, I mean, just out of control. And I'm pointing at my arm and I'm pointing at my mouth, you know, keep pointing. And he thinks there's something wrong with the kids. And finally, I signal, you know, paper and pen to tell him to go get a paper and pen and he didn't have to because his father had had a stroke. Oh. So he was aware of the symptoms. Like he said, I, you know, afterwards I asked him, I was like, how did you know I was having a stroke? And he said, because I'm always just aware of it because my dad had a stroke. So I just know what it looks like. Wow. So of course. Was he there when his dad had a stroke? No. Okay. But he knew what the symptoms were. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so of course, in my denial, I'm telling him, don't call 911. <laughs> 
I'll be fine. Oh my god. Things are gonna come things Just are gonna paint a picture. You're yes. on the floor. I'm on the floor bawling. I can't talk and can't, can't move my arm. With a dead arm. But, but I don't convinced. call 911. Wow. I'm convinced. That this is not a problem. Okay, so let me just, can I just stop here for a second and say, this is part of what's wrong in the world of women. It's like, it's not okay to be broken. It's not okay to have something wrong with me because I'm a mom and I have to hold the world together and I have to be responsible for everything. I have time to have this stroke right now. Exactly. I don't (laughs) want my kids to wake up. Come on, I got breakfast today. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Totally. Well, something else that you also said I want to go back to, you said that when you first woke up and you looked at your in the mirror that you felt hazy yeah what what does that mean like what what does hazy feel like um and I felt hazy for probably about a month after the stroke just kind of out of it like like foggy like uh, yes you know how if you take like a Tylenol PM or something like that yeah and you wake up in the morning and you're kind of like Hmm. I always describe that as like words kind of go over my head. Yeah. Like I can yeah. hear yeah, them, but they're not, there's no connection. Almost like a hangover, but not yes. like, yeah. Yeah, like foggy. Yeah. Just not yeah. quite quick to, to think. And um, obviously not quick to think because I'm thinking I'm fine and I can't talk and my arm doesn't move. Right. <laughs> Did you attribute that to having had the one drink the night before? Maybe no. Thinking, no, not at no, all. No, not okay. at all. Because that was so little and it was something that I'd sure. done before. So it wasn't anything. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like had... it was six. It was one. Right. It was like, it was right. very normal. Like yeah. what everyone would just go out and have a glass of wine. Right. No big deal. Yeah. So definitely I didn't, I wasn't putting those two together at all. Mm-hmm. So he called, he called 911, the ambulance came, but by the time the ambulance came, um, my arm started moving again and I could start to talk a little bit. Wow. So I was slurring, but I wasn't talking. So the one thing that the medics did not do correctly was that they left Oh. and my husband brought me to the hospital. So that's one key is, or to know is that if you think somebody's having a stroke, Sometimes the recovery signs can come pretty quickly, and it did for me. I wasn't obviously normal. Yeah. But they were. I was normal enough for them to think this isn't a stroke. Wow. But if you think, but you couldn't that, talk. I was starting to. By the time they had gotten uh, there, I was t- able to talk. Make sense. Make, yeah, make sentences. Okay. Gotcha. And they were testing me, like say, you know, the dog is walking down the street, or short sentences. So I could, I could do what they were telling me to do by that point. Okay. So, and sometimes no, I'm like, you're not leaving without me. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the van's outside. Yeah. That was, that Man, was not a good idea. Yeah. And of course uh, me being who I am, I was like, perfect. See yeah. you guys later. How you far know? were you from the hospital? Uh, about 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what's important to know about that is that if you get to the hospital in a certain amount of time, and I don't know what the time frame is actually. I think it's like within an hour. They can give you medication to help stroke, um, stop the stroke. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately was not able to have the medication because it happened in my sleep. Yeah. And so there's a limit. They can't give it beyond a certain point. I think then it maybe doesn't, I don't know what happens, but they're not supposed to give it um, beyond a certain point. Okay. So if they don't know when the stroke occurred, then they can't give the medicine. Got it. So I wasn't able to get that, but... So That's prompt medical attention prompt is essential. Med- yes. Which yeah. Is, yeah, definitely. Prompt medical attention, uh, attention is essential for sure. Yeah. So So your husband took you to the hospital? So my husband took me to the hospital and we why we right. were there. Did he do that right away yeah. after that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my neighbors took the kids and I, we went to the hospital. And while I was in the hospital, they kept telling me um, I had a migraine because apparently there are migraines that are str- that are intense enough where they do have stroke symptoms for mm. a short period of time. Interesting. Had you had a history of migraines? No. Okay. And they kept saying, do you want some aspirin? I'm like, I don't have a headache. 
I mean, I was I, about I, to say, does migraine ever occur without a headache? I don't think I so. I don't know that, that it does. No, I don't think so. I mean, like, well, my head doesn't hurt. So yeah, I, don't they, think I, that's kept, it. I actually started to get frustrated yeah. because I said, if one more person offers me aspirin, I'm like, I don't have a headache. And should you give somebody aspirin who's had a stroke? Well, it's a blood thinner. So right. yeah, it's okay. I mean, they oh. think they think I've had a migraine at this point, right. so they're like, give her some aspirin. Right. But then I did um, the MRI, uh-huh. and they were able to see the stroke, which occurred on the right side of the frontal right lobe of my brain. So then it impacted the left side of my body. Right. Because so, our brains are backwards. Our brains are backwards. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, I, I mean, I feel very lucky because the. Um, my stroke didn't affect the lower half of my body. It really impacted my hand and my face. Uh-huh. So that was why, like, I couldn't, like, I spent the whole first day in the hospital with a hair rubber band around my wrist trying to get my finger underneath the wrist, so underneath it so I could pull it off. Like, I, that was, like, my goal for the day. Mm, wow. Like, that's all I worked on for 24 hours was mm-hmm. just trying to, and I have videos of me trying to do that because I was, like, I'm getting back in gear. I mean, this this happened, but I've got to get going, you yeah. know? I mean, it's totally, yeah. it's my personality. Yeah, though, right? yeah. I was about oh, to yeah. say, so yeah. is that the thing was just like, I have to, were you thinking I need to, to fix this? I need to. Yes, I was like, I need to fix this. And I have to do this. this myself. I have to do this myself. I need to fix this. And this will not stop me from moving forward. Mm-hmm. This stroke will not physically limit me from what I like to do. No way. You know, I was not going to have that at all in any way, shape or form. I like to work I love out. that about your I like personality. to go to the gym. So I was like, I got to get back in gear. You know, I got to be able to hold my weights. You got to be able to cook. I love to cook and all that sort of stuff. So and I keep was, up with those three kids. Yeah. And yeah. it gave me something to do, right? I was in the hospital all day. Give me a little project to work on. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I thought about it. I thought, I need a project. Look at me. I'm here all day. No kids. What should I do? So, um... Luckily, I was I, after they determined that I had a stroke, I did transfer over to Grady Hospital here in Atlanta, which is one of the key stroke centers in the United States. So I was lucky to be able to get in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I was definitely the youngest one on the floor. Yeah, that's for sure. So I was there for a week and, um, you know, you know, every day got better and better and better. Um, and they did lots of tests to try to figure out why I had a stroke. Um, and, and, you know, even to this day, we still don't know, but, um, you know, there's lots of different theories around. Which Were you at high about. risk? Were you at high risk for stroke No. in your life? Okay. No, at least I didn't know I was at high risk. Sure. Yeah, right. no. Um, I will say, um, looking back and I didn't realize this until after the stroke. And then you start to kind of think about when you start looking at what are the, some of the warning signs of a stroke and then you're like, Oh, right. Tell us what I those are. That. Tell yeah. us what those are. So, Mine in particular were the numbness in the arm. In so you'd hand. had that before. So you mentioned I'd ha- you'd oh, had that yes. before, right? Like okay. Anne Dunaway-Te, who we referenced. Yeah. You know, we worked together a lot, and we talked about it after my stroke. I mean, we'd be working together, and I was like, I need to take a break and like move my arm around because I couldn't type and stuff like that. So, Is but then it would go as away. You're awake or no, just waking like just up in the, or... yeah, in the middle of the day, just anytime. You know, just kind of sitting around. Okay. All of a sudden, you know, the arm gets numb. But I work out a lot, and I'm young. So I'd be like, I'm young. I work out a lot. It must be a tight muscle. Yeah. I'd have all these reasons why it was happening. Yeah. The other thing for me was I also had eye problems, which is another um, symptom of stroke. What kind of eye problems? So I, um, my vision just wasn't, especially when I was driving, it wasn't very, it was like getting worse, you know, like the signs were getting blurry and I was having a ton of um, 
light sensitivity, so much so that I went to the eye doctor, got um, prescription sunglasses, and I tinted my front windows. Hmm. Yeah. Is that legal? Yeah, it is legal. <laughs> so over over yes. what period of time were this you experiencing this? This was all happening this? like probably in the in what they call they're called transient um, ischemic. ischemic attacks TIAs. They can happen months, days, weeks before. Mine were happening months before. Okay. Especially over the summertime because I remember getting my windows tinted, mm-hmm. and I would always be driving to my mom's in North Carolina, and I'd be like, after about an hour into it, I'm like. This isn't safe. You know, I'm like driving my kids and my eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh. But I thought it was like, I'm getting old. My eyes are just getting more sensitive. Yeah. And when you go to the eye doctor, it's not like I say to my eye doctor, oh, I'm also having numbness in my arm. Right. So it wasn't like I was right. talking. The symptoms you know, you are disconnected the doc- from one another. Right. right. I go to one doctor for one thing and I go to another doctor for another thing and I don't, I'm not putting them together as symptoms of um, strokes. Mm-hmm. So, and then I was also having a lot of eye auras, uh-huh. you know, every, people get them. And that's a migraine And there symptom. are many migraines. Uh-huh. So, you know, after the stroke, you know, they did a lot of um, scans of my brain. You can see all over my brain, little tiny strokes. They're like little bursts of light all over the brain. So I'd been having them for months. Wow. So they're wow. all over. Yeah. Many, many tiny little strokes happening all the time. But I had no idea. I mean, I'm young. Why would I right. even be thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a stroke? Right, right. right. No clue. Everything no. else is going fine. I'm working out great. You know, I'm breathing fine. Yeah. I feel fine in every other way. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I'm getting, you know, I was 43 at the time. So you're like, oh, I'm in my 40s. Right. You know? <laughs> Maybe this is just something that happened. Yeah. Right. Stuff's, you know. Starting to break. Starting to break. <laughs> we talked That's about we that yeah. in our 40th fabulous people. show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now I know a little differently. Um. But you can also, other people, um, other signs of pre-strokes are like, all of a sudden you get confused. Uh I didn't, well, maybe you can ask Anne that. I don't think I was acting confused. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, nausea. But so some of these things, some of the symptoms are just so mundane that you wouldn't. You're like, oh, maybe I ate something that didn't agree with me. Exactly. But I will say, I really should have paid attention to the numbness in the arm. Yeah. That was pretty numb. Like I should looking back, I'm like, that was not, but here I am. I even having the stroke, I was like, Oh, I got this. No problem. That's my personality. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, definitely being aware of those TIAs or any kind of pre-stroke symptoms. So then, so then you're in the hospital. How long were you in the hospital? About a week. Okay. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I had to do a lot of testing and make sure I was okay. Make sure I wasn't going to have another stroke. Right. Um, so that was kind of boring, but I made it through. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, what was the, so then, so then what happened after that? So I came home and, um, I was on a, um, statin, mm-hmm. a very high for like a month. They had me on a very high level statin. Statins you, are for cholesterol? Cholesterol. Yep. Okay. Um, because did you have high cholesterol? No. Okay. No, but it's supposed to help heal the blockage. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I was on a statin for about a month, very high level statin. And then I didn't have to take that anymore. And I moved to a low dose aspirin. And what was your functionality like at that point? So I, um, had still the hand and the mouth. So a lot of numbness in the mouth and, um, I still have numbness in the hand. So I have not fully recovered. Nobody would know that. You no, have you gotten the ponytail holder off? Oh, the, I, the ponytail holder. Oh, <laughs> God, that was like 
that was day that two. Was the, that was day two. I had that done. Even by the end of the day, I think. <laughs> so achiever. Yes. yes, totally. So after I had my stroke, I mean, there were the physical issues. I guess were my hand. So I had tons of numbness in my hand. Mm-hmm. So I went. I had. I went through hand therapy and then mm-hmm. speech therapy to help me with certain sounds that were really hard, like my name, Leslie. Even now, it's not. It doesn't come out naturally for me. Hmm. It's too many L's and too many S's hmm. together, Leslie. Hmm. It's you like say my, it very well. It's like, yes, you think it sounds well, but for me, it feels strange. Yeah. Because the left side of my tongue was just, it's just weak. Uh-huh. And it doesn't respond properly with the brain. And then I'm just numb. It's almost like when you go get a tooth pulled or something uh-huh. and they numb the side of your mouth so and it feels now, like cotton balls. You still feel yes. Numb. Like it's numb right now as we're talking. Wow. But you get used to it. And sometimes if I'm tired or my kids are asking me too many questions, I just have to say, I can't, I can't do any more questions. Give me like 10 minutes. I need to just rest Rest. my mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if something emotional happens and I have to cry, I lose control. Mm. It almost will shake or something like that. Like I lose that control over there, which is a little odd. Like muscle spasm? Yeah, it's like Uh a muscle spasm. Yeah, Uh so I try not to cry now. (laughs) (laughs) We'll try not to make you cry. I'm going to cry, but I'm just going to hold this side of my face while I do it. (laughs) And like right after I couldn't tie a shoe, Uh um, that was – in. It was such a weird experience. So, you know, everybody, when you, you know how to tie your shoe, you sure. wouldn't, you would, you wouldn't think twice about trying tying your shoe now, but I would look at my shoelaces and I would just try to tie my shoe, but my brain could not make my hands co- couldn't coordinate at yeah. all. I mean, it was like, I was just flubbing it Almost all like up. like a signal. Yeah. It's, interruption. Like a, it's, it's an interruption. Your brain cannot process how to move your hands to tie the shoe. Typing, same thing. I could not figure out how to get my fingers to move on the keys the way the right hand was fine, obviously, but the left hand could not figure out how to get how they move. And then finally, um, through lots of practice and lots of deleting and messing <laughs> up, you know, you finally get that. You know, it, so it's it just comes sort of relearning, back. relearning, it's relearning uh-huh. really, really simple skills. And it was very humbling. I remember being at my speech therapist crying because literally she had out sheets of paper and we were doing, you know, dog, cat. I mean, you, things that she's working on with a six-year-old, she's working on with a 43-year-old. And that was humbling. It was so humbling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like just doing things that are almost embarrassing at this age, like pushing your you know, taking a tooth, um, a popsicle stick and you have to push your tongue up against it to strengthen it and out and backwards and all these different ways. And you're like, it's, it was humbling to have to do that with somebody at this age. You know, you're like, it was just, it was strange almost, you know? And you're such a, you're so obviously such a, a a driven self-starter sort of self-sufficient person. You feel humbled and that you can't do even the simplest things yeah. fastening a bra behind your back any men watching I know you don't have that problem but <laughs> putting I don't even it, yes. think about that no put How yes would you put I can't it? I still can't do it putting an earring on a screw earring forget it I still can't do that I so well, I, I can't wore, do that I wear either, the danglies but... <laughs> who wears those anyway <laughs> yeah, they're old school right <laughs> you know just like putting a necklace on behind yeah. my daughter sometimes still have to help me because I because I can't 
you can't find like the arms just don't connect. Like I'll do this. Like you would do this and I would do this or still now, like, um, if I reach into a bag of chips, the left hand is still a little bit numb, the really fine sensory, um, nerves. So I don't know whether I have a chip, whether I've got 10 chips or whether I've got one chip. I have no idea. Wow. So I have to look, if I look, I can see so I can judge it by that. But still, I reach in. I'm like, oh, it's come kind out of with- fun, like a surprise. Let's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You come out with ten, you're like, well, I touched them all. Exactly. And you come out now with one, you're like, that's disappointing. <laughs> oh god. So, um, so those are kind of some of the things that are humbling when you're, you know, eleven year old is tying your shoes for you. Can somebody come tie my shoes, please? <laughs> Surprised you have switched completely to Velcro. Yes, I know. I'm so grateful to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. They didn't lose you. you Yes, totally, totally. Because you just—I mean, it's one of the situations you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's, it's so you talked about sort of the humbling part of that. How did you navigate? You said you talked about crying with your speech therapist. How did you navigate sort of learning to accept help? I think that's, that was really tough. Yeah. And yeah, but she, my speech therapist was wonderful and she was the one who was like, you're, this is, you have, I have to help you. I will help you. You can cry. Don't be embarrassed here. You know, um, which was great. Yeah. The hand therapy was actually pretty easy for me because I was really strong still. I could, Mm -hmm. I was still really strong. It was just more of the, the fine nerve things, you know, reaching into your pocket I would drop things all the time, you know, like, oh boy, whoops, forgot that. <laughs> so bad. I dropped my, that was in there. Yes, I dropped my, it, like, I, I, at the beginning of this year, I dropped my passport in the airport. Oh, whoops. I know. I totally forgot that it was in my hand. Like, it just, I just forgot. I don't put anything in my left hand. It's just not yeah. a good decision. <laughs> yes. I'd, like, drop glasses because, like, you, the brain would forget that it's there. The and brain just forgets. You can't feel, feel it. it. You can't feel it because the brain, yeah, you can't feel it and the brain just doesn't remember and so then it just drops. So my speech therapist was probably the one that got me through those sessions because those were definitely the most humbling Yeah, is being able to say the, the words and pronounce things that were hard yeah. to say. Even your name. Mm-hmm. Even my name. Yes. Yeah. Even the name. But how did you, how did you explain what happened to your children? Hard question. I think my husband did actually, cause okay. I was at the hospital. Yeah. So he did. But luckily I was okay, so he got off easy. Yeah. But they knew when I came home that I was going to be tired because I did sleep a lot for that first week for sure. Um, Conversations were a little hard to follow. Like if we had a meeting or something, like if I had a big – because I'm the type of person, I got right back into my – When did you go back to work? Um. Oh, I was probably doing stuff, I would say, within a week. And then I teach, so it happened December 18th, and I was back teaching again probably the second week of January. And I teach in, like, a huge, you know, 250 students, so I'm in a big auditorium on a microphone. Wow. But I did prefer, you know, I started the class with, I just had a stroke, so there's going to be certain words that I don't say correctly, or I won't say them at all. And I'll just point to them on the slide, <laughs> which I still do. There are a few words that I just can't get right. So I just point to them on the slide. I'm like, that one there, you need to know that. <laughs> I cannot believe. Yes. So within a week of coming home from the hospital? Yeah. I mean, I was, because I mean, I was tired. I would get more tired easily, but you're thinking coherently. 
Yeah. You know, and I was starting to talk. Your brain works. Your, your body brain just doesn't. Works. It's just your, yeah. Your body's my body not just cooperating. Wasn't. Right. So I was, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to just be bored. I mean, yeah. what would I do? So I was like, I'm ready to get back into normal life. I mean, it's, I think it's important if you can to normalize as fast as you can without it being too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, there were definitely days where I would, you know, take a nap or I'd go in the room and I'd cry because I'd be upset. Yeah. You know, like I would end a conference call or do something where I just couldn't follow the conversations. Like if people were talking too fast, it was like being in a haze mm-hmm. and I couldn't follow. But then that I slowly but surely got better. I could mm-hmm. still use it as an excuse, couldn't I? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm grateful that you allowed yourself that, that you said, you know what? I feel really sad right now. I'm just going to go in this room and yes. cry. Yeah. And then I'll come back. I definitely would. And yes. if I'm tired, I'm just going to go take a nap and then I'll come yes. back. Yes. And yeah. if my kids were around, I would go into my room and I would just say, I'm going to go take a nap. I'm tired. My brain's tired. And they were fine with that. Yeah. They were old enough to kind of understand that that was okay. And remind, remind me how old they are. Or were. Well, they were 10... At the time, I guess it would be five, seven, ten. Yeah. Yeah. About that. Yeah. Yeah. So my tenure, yeah. So they were fine. They were fine. And they're good kids. So they were, they were totally fine. Of course they're good kids. <laughs> and other, other things I remember, which was really, which was a little challenging when something like this happens is going to sleep at night, mm-hmm. especially because it happened in my sleep. Um, afraid to go to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you suffer some insomnia because of that? I don't know because I, I, I always I'm not a good sleeper, uh-huh, <laughs> so I don't uh-huh. think there was any difference between then and that and you know like my normal habits, but I remember crying in bed at night, being afraid to go mm. to sleep, mm-hmm. but nothing ever happened. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you it's, say you remember that you don't have that fear anymore. Sometimes I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, that's scary. How how do you think having a stroke has changed your outlook on like everyday things? Hmm. Definitely appreciating the moments with my children. Yeah. And my husband. The children always get so much credit. <laughs> and the dog too, right? Is <laughs> like making and the dude. sure. Yes, that's right. It's making sure that I'm spending quality time with them and the time that I'm with them is, you know, you're, you're with them present, you're present. Yeah. And that's important without the phone or whatever it may be. And I don't always remember that, but sometimes you have wake up calls yeah. that, um, you're like, Oh, I need to, I need to be present. Be, be mindful of where I am right now. What's right. going on right now. Yes. Be mindful of where I am right now. So I read something this week about wisdom and the description about it was wisdom is being present where you are now. And I think wisdom is more than that, but I, but it reminded me that it is being wise to be present. You know, being present is a wise thing Mm -hmm. to do. So that's interesting. And I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that anybody who's had a brush with our own mortality, right. It, Mm -hmm. it, it helps us to prioritize appropriately. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Or even so, the mortality of others. You sure. Know, to kind of wake up and see, oh my God, my life is passing me by. Like yeah. I'm not really present in my life. It's happening. Yeah. And I'm not even here. Yeah. So it's always there and present. And I'll tell you a story that just kind of, this sort of goes into 
you know, if somebody is having a stroke and they're young, they're, you're like, why do you have, why did I have my stroke? And my stroke, what they, what they would call it a cryptogenic stroke, which is a stroke with no reason why they uh-huh. don't, they don't know why. So one of the things I did is I went off birth control because that it's like one to 2% chance you can have a stroke. So I thought, well, I could be in the one to 2%. <laughs> sure. I'm extremely healthy. And I know that I eat really well. I work out all the time. Um, I do have a heart monitor in, so they put a little tiny heart monitor in right there. Um, even though we know it's not a cardiovascular issue, but they do it anyways, just to be sure. So now I'm like screened all the time, which is fabulous <laughs> <laughs> because you could have a heart arrhythmia, which can cause a stroke, you know, a little blip in your sure. heart, which then causes like a bubble thing. So I do have a little heart rate monitor in now. Um, but so, and I went off birth control, but just recently in the last two weeks, um, I go to see my neurologist who, if anybody on this call is in Atlanta and needs a neurologist, I have got the person for you, Dr. Nahab. He is amazing. Um, and about a week ago I went to him and we were testing some of my blood clotting factors, which tell you whether or not you were at risk for having, um, you know, like a heart attack or a stroke or something like that. And they were really high. Huh? Yes. So, um, of course my personality didn't didn't believe him. <laughs> Let me see it. I was like, no, 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 no. Oh we're gonna retest. Oh. We have to retest those blood clotting factors. And I'm glad I did because five days later I retested and they were double. Oh I wow, mean, really, really high. Yeah. So like 500 percent over where they should be. I tested four of them. Wow. So at that point, I we were saying appreciating every moment. Yeah. I really felt like a ticking time bomb. So what I did you like, do? So I went from, I was on a low dose aspirin. So if you have a stroke like I did and there really were no symptoms, you know, any like cardiovascular reasons or anything like that, um, I was on a low dose aspirin because I really didn't feel like, and my doctor didn't feel like I needed to be on anything stronger. Um, so 81 milligrams, no big deal. Take it every day. No sure. problem. So at that point he's like, well, you need to go on Eliquis, which is a drug for anticoagulation, blood thinner. And so I immediately went on to um, Eliquis. So I'm on that now. Mm-hmm. And then now we're trying. So what, you know, we're trying to figure out, well, what is the problem? Mm-hmm. And it could potentially be maybe a blood clotting disorder. Uh-huh. And so now I'll go see a, a hematologist. So the stroke that I had back in 2016 is continuing on. And hopefully we'll try to figure out what it was because mm-hmm. – obviously I am at risk for having another stroke and I don't want to fall right. in that category again. Like you were saying when you started of a person that's had another stroke, right? I don't want to be afraid to go to bed at night no. or be driving my car with my kids in it. And all of a sudden I'm having, I'm having a stroke. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't know. When will they test your blood clotting factors again? Um, that's a great question. I have to, yeah, I have to yeah. get with my, um, doctor to figure that out. And I also sometimes like I had a cryptogenic stroke, not to scare anybody, but when your blood clotting cancer causes, um, hypercoagulation in the blood. So I, on this past Thursday, I had to do a full T- CT scan to check for cancer. I came back negative. So that was good. good. Yay. Yay. That was stressful. <laughs> I'm sure. Very. Um, but you know, it's little things like that. So if you're younger and you don't have any signs or symptoms and you're not really sure it's I think it's important to um 
make sure you're seeing your neurologist and your cardiologist and following up and asking questions, retesting your blood, yeah, things like that. Um, because you just don't know. Cause I was actually normalizing my blood clotting factors were going down. So it looked like everything was like coming back to normal until retested again. How about that? Yeah. So I, I think that, sorry, D, I think that the, this whole idea of follow up mm-hmm. and staying close to your doctors mm-hmm. is really important. What were you going to say? D? Sorry. Oh, I was just going to ask, was this a routine? Like you have to go to the doctor, the neurologist yes. every so often yes. to have these checked. Okay. Yeah. So I was at a point where I was just needing to go back every year until this happened. So now I'll go back more frequently because I have to do all different tests and things like that. But eventually, like I was going, you know, every three months and then it went down to six months and then, you know, every year. So this appointment here would have been like, okay, I'll see you in a year. I actually made an appointment for the following year until he called me. I was like, well, (laughs) we might have a small issue on our hands. (laughs) I love how God works. I really do. Yeah. You know, for him to say, you know what, let me, let me catch this before she's not back for a year. Yes. Yes. So, um, so it's important. I think the follow up. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you think you don't need it, just go. It's only one time a year or two times a year, your cardiologist and your neurologist, you know, it's worth the two hours it takes to drive and all that sort of stuff. Right. Right. Because you never know um, what's happening. You know, yeah. you never know, especially if you don't know why it happened. Yeah. I think that's the thing about stroke that is so, um, I think it's, it's scary, but it's also the reason people don't think about it is because you don't, you don't feel anything until you feel it. Right. Right. A lot of times it's like high blood pressure, right. Mm -hmm. Which often precedes stroke in many people, especially older people. If you have high blood pressure, it makes you at risk for a stroke. And many people don't feel high blood pressure. Mm -mm. They feel fine. It is a silent Mm -hmm. killer. So what are some, so we know that high blood pressure is one risk factor for stroke. Mm -hmm. In your case, you had this who knows why stroke. But for for other people, when we think about risk factors, what are some risk factors for stroke? Well, I think from a lifestyle perspective, it's going to be diet, physical activity, Mm -hmm. you know, maintaining your weight Mm -hmm. and stress. Mm -hmm. But from those are kind of like your I can control these. Yeah. This is my life. Sedentary lifestyle. Sedentary lifestyle. Yeah. And then on the other hand, then you've got age, of course, hereditary issues yeah, family and history, so. um, your uh, gender, female versus male. At the age of 60, more females die of a cardiovascular event than men do. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the three, I can't control these. But, you know, if um, like my husband, um, his father uh, had a stroke. And so when his father had a stroke, he just decided to take the uh, low dose 81 milligram aspirin. Mm-hmm. He talked to his doctor and just decided to do it. Yeah, it's not harmful. Uh You can easily do it if you've got, you know, somebody in your, any cardiovascular disease, not maybe not necessarily even a stroke, could be a heart attack too, because it's a a slight blood thinner. Uh Uh-huh. What age is that? Is there a recommendation for that generally for starting that if you've got a family history? You know, I don't know. That's something I'll I'll look that up and try to include it in the, Mm -hmm. in the show notes because so now I'm. In my 40s, and uh, <laughs> and of course I have this family history, and I hadn't thought about adding aspirin because I don't take any medications. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm pretty. I try to live a very healthy lifestyle, but I don't do. I don't take any medications. But if that's something that'll reduce my risk and has no side effects and might make sense, I'll discuss mm-hmm. it with my doctor. Yeah, yeah, 
that dangerous. So no. it's sort of, it's almost like a, I think for him, I talked to him about it. He said it was like a peace of mind. Yeah. I can just, see that. You know, if there's, if there's one thing he can control all his lifestyle, but if he could control the one thing attached to the hereditary mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. of strokes, that was the one thing he could do. Mm-hmm. Do so. you have, did you have a family history of stroke? No. So, I mean, as you're listing the, the, risk factors for mm-hmm. stroke and I'm, I'm looking at you and you're a very fit woman mm-hmm. and you I'm not seeing any of those risk factors so I'm an anomaly I would say yeah yeah so I would just I guess encourage our listeners to mm-hmm. even if those risk factors don't apply to you if you feel yeah some of yes. the things that you were feeling yes to just go and get it checked out yeah. yep Pay totally. attention to your body. I'm teaching my four-year-old. <laughs> and like, if you, I think it's important to have, um, you know, your primary care physician or an internist. And if you go to see them, telling them, I went to the eye doctor for this. I went to this doctor for this. Uh-huh. That's the person. So there's that's like a bring, collective repository right, for that's all the, the things that, that going brings on. it all together. Yeah. You know, your eye doctor probably doesn't want to hear that you had numbness in your arm. And, you know, they're because they're rushing. And they're not the, trained for that. They're not either. trained for that. Right. But the one person that is, is your internist. Right. They're the person that says, what's everything going on with you? Pulling it all together and saying, hmm, you know. So everything now, if I go to the neurologist, I go to the neurologist, I write my internist an email. What happened? What were the results? I send him the results. If I go to the cardiovascular guy, you know, I send him the results. So he has, he's like my, my, is it a repository? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. He's my repository of everything put together. I think that's great advice. And it reminds me, you know, I used to work in a hospital. I used to work in pediatrics. And I, I when I talk to the families um, about their children and dealing with their health issues, I, I always said, do you have a notebook that you're keeping your notes in? Mm-hmm. And many of them did, but some of them didn't. And even working with my family members, I, you know, as I think about it, you know, I, I oftentimes will tell them, make sure you have a notebook and you're writing things down. You know, you're keeping track of your appointments. Um, and I think even so, so to Dee's point, even if we're healthy, we think we don't have any issue. That's a valuable skill to have. Mm-hmm. That's an important thing to do. We should be thinking about our health um, in a, in a very systematic way mm-hmm. yeah. in order to maybe head off some of these things. And, totally. and that may not have been possible for you, but it could be possible for someone else in the future. I, I think it's, you have to take ownership of your own healthcare nowadays. I mean, with all my the yeah. four blood clotting factors, I made an Excel spreadsheet. I put them all in there. That I know. Not that's so surprise me. Oh, yeah. An Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Everybody. Oh, man. You and I, could, we could talk. So <laughs> I, I love Anne. I my you. business partner, Anne, she does, everything Multiple goes in the Excel spreadsheet. Oh, oh, yeah. Love it. Then, you, then, you know, with you that, I saw. It. I was like, wow. And I could map out. I am 500% where I should be. Yeah. The, this is where they want me to be at 500 on this. And I'm at 3,000. Hmm, that doesn't look good. You know what I mean? So it you helps get you to, analyze the data. It totally does. And yeah. bringing it to the doctor and saying, we have a problem here. You know, especially like cholesterol is a great example yeah. of something that you can track. And you ever, now you have electronic record keeping. But I think cholesterol is really important because if you put it into a little Excel spreadsheet, you could say, hmm, that's been ticking up mm-hmm. over time. Little mm-hmm. by little, every time I go... My LDLs are 10 points higher. What's happening? Mm-hmm. And the you know? reality is, is no matter how good our doctors are, yeah. you mm-hmm. are supposed to be an advocate for yourself. Yes. No one is going to care about you as much as you should care right. for yourself. So let me see the data too. Yes. And 
I will inform my doctor. Yeah. I mean, I listen to him too, generally, but you know, I, I really think it's my responsibility to make sure that I'm taken care of. Right. Right. That's great. I think that's super wise. So Leslie, as we kind of get to the end of our time together, what, is there anything that you wanted, um, that you want, that you wish that people had known in advance before your stroke or during your recovery? So for those friends, family, people who are supporting someone else who's either, who's gone through a stroke or maybe who, you know, they might take this with them into the future. Cause eventually we're probably all yeah. going to know somebody. Um, I think just allowing, well, if, if, if there's a support group, I think that's important if you can find a support group. Unfortunately for me, the support groups were, I mean, they're, they're usually older. Mm-hmm. And so it just mm-hmm. wasn't the right fit for me. And mm-hmm. I did feel a little lonely. Mm-hmm. Actually, I didn't have anybody mm-hmm. to talk to about my stroke. Who understood. Right. At a yeah. young age. Yes. So that was a bit of a bummer. But, you know, I've kind of, moved, I'm okay now with that. Sometimes it's a little upsetting. And sometimes it's, you know, when you find somebody young that's had a stroke, you're like, oh my gosh. Great. <laughs> right. Um, but so if somebody's younger, just allowing them to talk about it and talk about their fears, like asking them, like, are you afraid of this? Are you afraid that it's going to happen again? Cause I was, but nobody really asked me those questions because yeah. it's almost like an elephant in the room. Yeah. You know, what should you ask and what shouldn't you ask? And for me, I'm a pretty open person. Mm-hmm. So I will talk pretty freely about how I felt and all my feelings and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I just think, you know, an understanding that, uh, recovery can be slow and full recovery may not happen and being okay with that, depending on where that person fully recovers to, mm-hmm. I guess. And the other thing that we didn't talk about, which I wanted to make people aware of is the acronym Oh yes, please. for people to identify a stroke, which is fast. So face. So if there's, um, numbness in the face or a droopy mouth, um, on either side, Arms, if you can't lift your, both of your arms, if somebody's having a stroke, usually you can lift both arms, but one will go down, like they can't lift the arm. Smile, you can't smile properly. Um, and time. Time is to uh, what we talked about before is making sure you respond quickly. So face, face arm, arm, smile, smile and time. time. Mm-hmm. Those are the, the, three, the four things fast for stroke symptoms. That's awesome. That's great to know. And I will make sure that that's in the show notes and that we include links and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you feeling about your recovery? Good. I mean, you know, it's, it's sort of like I have to be just content with where I'm at, at my last appointment that I was um, just had a couple weeks ago with my neurologist. I said, so I'm still a little numb in my mouth and my hand is still a little numb. And he just looked at me and he goes, well, I hate to tell you this, but you're far enough away from your stroke that this is your norm. And I said, you know what? It is what it is. And I will move forward because I'm very, very lucky that this, because most people wouldn't know that I might struggle with a word or that my tongue's still numb, but you know, that's fine. So it's sort of, you know, can't chew gum, which is that's a little frustrating. I will say that. That's one side. That's one problem that I'm a little frustrated with. But um, so the recoveries, I guess, you know, yes and no. I, you know, I'm 90% of what I was just in those two areas. But I'm but so you thankful. Feel, yeah. yeah, but I feel great. I do yeah. all my workouts and that's really important to me. I can play with my kids. I can do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 
And you have something, you know, as I always think to myself, like as, as when we're injured, whether it's inside or outside or, you know, however an injury happens, we're all injured, right? In mm -hmm. some way, like I think, I think everybody is broken. Like in some way, in we're some all way, phys yes. physically, emotionally, spiritually. There's always something in us that's broken, and I think in those broken things in us, can be so valuable, and they add to our experience, and they add to our um, to what we can share with the world. Yeah. And I thank you for being willing to share your story. Thank you so much. It was Leslie. great. Thank you for yeah. having me. It is. Hopefully, it, is awesome. it helps somebody out there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that it will. And I think that I think that uh, I think that to help bring attention to this topic that I really think doesn't get enough conversation, mm -hmm. especially for younger people and for women, because as you mentioned, mm -hmm. we are, you know, in the majority as we get older. I think it's it's so valuable. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, we're really grateful for you. And thanks to everyone who's listened to this show. I know it's been a little bit longer, but I think that the information was so valuable and the experience, uh, strength and wisdom that Leslie shared was so valuable. And I hope that you'll, you will agree with us. And if you have any more questions or you have any thoughts about what you've heard or questions about stroke or um, or how to support someone in your life or, or more inf want more information about prevention, please don't um, forget to go and read the post that accompanies the show. But also um, send us an email. Send us an email at southernfriedgirlfriends at gmail.com. We really want to hear from you and hear what you want to hear about, what you want to know more about. So um, – with that, I will say that we have one question that we end every show with. Every show ends with the same question, and that is, what is the one thing you're going to do to be healthier today? What about you, Dee? Well, tomorrow is like a super, super busy day, so I'm not going to be able to do my normal you know, meal planning. So I'm actually doing my meal planning today. I'll be Yay. cooking this afternoon. Good for you. That's <laughs> awesome. For you, Leslie, what is the one thing you're going to do? I'm going to relax because relaxing <gasps> reduces your stress. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love awesome. that. And for me, I'm going to be entertaining, but in a really simple, easy way. My folks are coming over for dinner. My sister's going to be here. And I love spending time with my people. So I'm really excited. That's my one healthy thing is I'm going to enjoy time with my family today. All good stuff. Well, so thanks again, girlfriends, for joining us today on the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. We'll look forward to chatting with you again real soon. Bye, y'all.